Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the origins of WebDM as we have special guest Jonathan Pruitt on. He talks about Star Wars Bound and his love of Spelljammer, as well as tips for streaming campaigns on the internet, and there are cats. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. And today we have a very special guest, the man, the myth, the legend from WebDM, Jonathan Pruitt. Thank you so much for coming on to our humble show, sir. Well, I, I, I appreciate the invite. Uh, any, any chance to uh, talk with fellow nerds, especially about subjects most nerdy, <laughs> and I'm there. No, that's fantastic. Um, so uh, our show is kind of the format will change today, but generally we just talk about D and D news and then some of our own game campaigns that we're running. But you just got done with a charity game. Uh, do you want to tell us uh, who you were raising money for and what was going on with that? Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, this is uh, Grant Ellis's uh, thing he does around his birthday every year. Uh, this year we are supporting two charities, Trans Lifeline and the. Uh, uh, I always mess this up. The American suicide prevention. Yeah, thing for suicide <laughs> prevention. Sorry, it's it's the middle word that throws me off. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, all good. How good of a host I am. Uh, <laughs> That's great, and you guys have raised quite a bit of money so far. And uh, yeah, we were close to fourteen thirty, fourteen hundred thirty dollars, almost awesome. to the, the fifteen hundred dollar goal already. Uh, I have my one punch man one shot tonight. I believe they're about to start another game here in a couple of hours uh, from the Monty Cook uh, people uh, doing an Invisible Sun campaign Sweet. or it, one shot. And so, yeah, I think we're going to hit that goal pretty uh, pretty well. What's uh, Can you give us a teaser about your one-punch game that's coming up? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, – it's, it's, I've wanted to run a one-punch man, like, show or a, a, like an actual campaign because i think it's cypher system is so perfect for one punch man that it hurts and uh <laughs> just seeing the characters that have been made i've been proven right i ran i uh, kind of ran a test of this adventure at pax unplugged with eight people at the table and even one spectator and and the thing that i was glad a spectator was there because at the end i asked her i'm like did you have a good time she was like oh my god that was the best thing ever and i'm like okay cool if somebody can just sit there for three hours and watch a game then you know it was pretty entertaining yeah absolutely. but uh, but yeah it's uh, it's going to incorporate some elements of the show uh if anybody who's familiar with one punch man if they remember the paradisers and the suits that they stole uh, the company they stole them from is is integral to this uh this uh they're going to be it's going to be at megacorp i'll let that out um in the heart of city m and, uh, you know, it's just a grand opening in the food court. That's all. Just nothing big. What could happen? What could go wrong? <laughs> Absolutely. What could go wrong. <laughs> Cypher System's a great game, too. Um, it's funny, too, because we uh, it was at um, GameholeCon that we got to meet up, and you guys were doing a lot of interview stuff, and you were walking around and hanging out and playing games and talking to developers and stuff. And then you kind of turn around a couple weeks later, you go to PAX Unplugged, and there you guys like cocooned yourself in that free RPG area and just were running game after game after game for all the Patreons and the fans. And it was super cool to see you guys just running lots of games. But what was that like running like a full gauntlet of games from like morning till evening? Do you go to dinner? Well, I mean, I, I only ran two games. I ran one game oh. on Saturday, one game on Sunday. Jim, I think ran three or 
four. I know he ran uh, one uh, a one shot in his uh, Land Between Two Rivers setting, uh, and I think he ran a couple in Ravnica, uh, just for fans and patrons. And it was, I mean, that was my first experience running a game at a con. And I mean, that that Cypher game with eight, like I've never run a game for eight people and I've never run a game at a con. And that was my first experience. And it was, uh, it was, I will say this, it was freeing. It was a, a true experience of just like, just letting whatever shows up at the table, just let it ride. And it, I, I recommend anyone that can go to a con and run a game and just realize like what it's like to just let go and have fun. Because I, I, I had realized, I just, in that moment, I realized like how, I was still kind of protective of my precious campaign, you know, uh, of Starward Bound. And in the, in the, in like this last couple of weeks uh, since uh, PAX, I've just let shit fly at the table left and right. Um, so, oh, by the way, sorry for cursing. I don't know how blue y'all okay. work here. <laughs> no, um, we're all good. <laughs> okay, cool. Well then fuck it. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I will say that it was, it was a truly freeing experience. And then the, the, the Starward Bound one shot that I ran was absolutely great. Uh, it was it was a fun little uh, wrap back to uh, the previous week's adventure in the regular game, where they 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 went to a asteroid field, and in the one shot you got to see how that asteroid field was created. Um, yeah, it was a it was a heist that ended in a big Michael Bay explosion of an asteroid. <laughs> and it was, so it was it was it was fun to like just do a nice little button like a button hook on the the previous week's adventure in the regular game, and you just kind of see a little prequel adventure and. I don't know. That's that's what's fun about campaign or uh, excuse me, convention one shots is is you know you can have fun little things in your in your ongoing campaign world that affects the world, but it's just fun. It's just uh you know. Yeah. Was this with strangers or with people that you had uh, or like like your Starward Bound group? Um, no. Well, actually, uh, I did not play with uh, with anyone from the actual Starward Bound group, even though Kiana was there um, and Emma was there. Uh, so that would have been fun, but no, it was, uh, it, but it was people that I knew, um, okay. uh, Charlie, uh, who plays on Straticus channel and everything. And I play Warhammer with her on Wednesdays on the kind of role play. She played, um, uh, Anna who plays, uh, with Travis on a, on a, on a scrat game. She was there. One of our patrons was there, Don, Donathan Fry, who I play call of Cthulhu with. It was amazing to actually kind of DM for him. His character was amazing. Sir Tombs. The Yanti that totally wasn't a Yanti. He's just a regular man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, so it was fun to actually, That's and that's another thing about these games is you actually get to see people from the chest down and get to see their legs. Yes, and, real, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, shake their hand and have a beer with them. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it was it was, it was was an absolute blast. I mean, it, oh, God, I, can't, I cannot wait for the next convention. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. When is your next convention? Do you think you're going to go to? Oh, uh, we are we are going to uh, WebDM will be at PAX South, um, nice. though we are not going to be there in a official capacity. We're not right. going to have the camera gear and all that shit. We just want to go have a good time, play some games in the open, the free gaming area. Probably spend too much money on dice and other shit. Yeah. You know, it's it's what you do. But I I, I want to go and just like walk the floor a little bit more than we did last year uh and because we had the you know the crew the camera and travis following us around and we were all mic'd up and i want to just go have more fun and play games uh especially because it, it is the video game it is a big video game convention so seeing all the new the new hotness that i'll never actually play in real life <laughs> but it's fun to see it you know for you know first oh yeah absolutely so uh i always gotta throw like 
at the Game Hole Con, you were doing really good interviews with a lot of the the D and D celebrities, and you guys were always throwing them curveballs. So I thought, you know, Pruitt needs a curveball. What's your favorite drink as a player? But then, what's your favorite drink when you're the DM? Oh, oh, I mean, <laughs> any kind of drink or just drink? besides any? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, honestly, um, if I'm going to, uh, other than just water, because you. Kid, come on, kids! You gotta stay hydrated. When you're, you're sitting there, you're gaming a lot. Make sure you get the water and get the get get, get the H two O in there. You don't want to cramp up. We need that um, on a shirt. Your face with a "Don't cramp up, stay hydrated, gamers." I yeah. want you to stay hydrated. <laughs> Just Uncle Pruitt, the big white beard, <laughs> Uncle Sam. Anyway, um, but it, honestly, if I'm if I'm drinking at, at the table, I'm I'm drinking beer, and uh, I don't I don't do anything because it's a long game, and you don't want to get too sauced. But uh, honestly, uh, I, I loves me some Stella Artois and uh, Shinerbach, uh, things like that. Although I will say uh, Newcastle is a great beer to drink while gaming. It is smooth. It is refreshing. Uh, and I, I usually drink it a little slower, so I don't get uh, as funned up, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so you've played a lot of not only Dungeons and Dragons, but like role-playing games in general. Um, yeah. is Dungeons and Dragons your favorite, would you say? Or do you have, uh, after experiencing Warhammer and Cthulhu and all these others that you're like the myriad of shows that you guys have got going on, has there been something that's replaced Dungeons and Dragons or do you have a second favorite or I don't know. I'm just curious about your role-playing uh, games. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty, um, I, I would have to say my favorite system to play in is what I'll be playing tonight, Cypher. It really? is just infinitely malleable. You can you can play any setting, any type of game in it. The rules are already in place for that. Um, I, I mean, just the fact they did that Kickstarter for the for the for the second run of like Numenera books, Destiny and Discovery. Yeah. And they don't, they didn't change the rules. Like that's how good the rule system is. It's like, well, if it ain't broke, just give me more options. Yeah. You get two big ass books and I have them sitting right over here and they're beautiful. Uh, but it's just, it, it's one of those systems that is so simple. Uh, it, well, at least for me, it was, it, it seemed complicated right up until the point that somebody explained it to me and I was like, oh, that's really easy. And uh, and just how how fast it moves mm -hmm. in combat, the fact that the the players are engaged both in offense and defense because the GM doesn't roll really anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you're rolling to attack and you're rolling for defense. Um, and also the biggest thing, and this happened at at PAX Unplugged. Where else in whatever game where you're, it's a D20 system, do people cheer when you roll a fucking six? It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen. And that's the the thing with ciphers. You do all the like in D&D, you roll your die and you're like, okay, now I got to add this and whatever. And mm -hmm. then what's it say? See, and then that that um, that instant gratification of the roll, that only happens on a 20, really. Like you roll yeah. a 20, everybody at the table's like, yay! You know, Cypher, you do all your negotiation up front and you know exactly, okay, I need a six or better. They roll that die and everybody leans in and you roll a six and the whole table goes, yay! You know, like you don't have that really in any other system that I've played. And so I, I just, I, I love that aspect of it. The fact that even, even seemingly kind of mundane things and, and where the odds are in your favor, it's still exciting once you, once you roll the die. No, and I, I played a Numenera game uh, and that was my first experience to this like cipher system. And mm -hmm. it was, I was always uh, amazed at how 
involved in the story I was compared to Dungeons and Dragons. Like Dungeons and Dragons, it was kind of like, okay, we're exploring this. Oh, good, a fight. All right, now I get to like roll some dice and do some things. Whereas with Numenera, there there was like a smooth transition through the whole thing. Like you were constantly uh, paying attention and involved in the story and things like that. And I can only imagine Cypher is the same way. Do you, because you're using Cypher for your one punch game, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, so do you take it to weird gonzo places? Like I know Cypher kind of allows you to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, you could tune in at 9 PM tonight <laughs> to find out, but yeah, it'll, 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 it'll get a little nuts. Sure. Because it's, a, it's one punch man. So yeah. anything is on the table. That's why I told them. I mean, uh, when you look at the Cypher book, it's broken up into genres like horror, right. fantasy, modern superhero. But I was like, you can pick anything from any of those because everything is in one punch man there's a guy there's a knight with a sword you know there's a there's a kid with freaking you know uh, mechanical spider legs coming out of his backpack you know <laughs> it, it covers the gamut of of options and so you know it, it's gonna get a little nuts we'll say that sure. and cypher cypher is really good about giving narrative control to the players a little bit more than you get in D&D. So I think that's where a lot of people feel free. And then you have the GM intrusion on a one and you earn XP on a failure, which is two, just two great things that I think in a role-playing game encourage you. Like if you fail, you're like happy because like, all right, I got another XP. Mm -hmm. I get four more of these. I'm going to get something else for my character or whatever I'm doing. And I love the sentence structure to describe, describe a character. And the whole system's really good, whether it's Cypher, Numenera, I did Predation, which was their uh, kind of going back into the histories of time and fighting dinosaurs with lasers. But you can get the Strange is really good, and Numenera is really yeah. good. Just the whole system just fits for everything. I want to do a superhero one, which would be very similar to your One Punch Man, because it's just so good that it just fits right in. So it's awesome. I love that. I love that system. It was the first one I streamed was Cypher. I knew Dungeons & Dragons, but I did Cypher because it felt easier to do with newer mm -hmm. players and have us run a stream show than it was for me to remember all the 5e rules and get all that stuff going while trying to stream at the same time. Love it. <laughs> I definitely understand that, sir. So I had a quick question about, um, so I went back to WebDM and I think I found the first video, right? Six minutes long talking about Dungeons and Dragons 5e. Uh, you're wearing the nice Cosa Nostra pizza t-shirt, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but it's already got pretty good double angles of cameras and you're switching and uh, audio is not terrible at all. I mean, it's actually pretty good for a YouTube show at that point starting off. Tell us a little bit about that first episode getting together. What's the origin story there that, that kind of gets that whole thing rolling? Uh, okay, well, yeah, the origin story of WebDM, uh, it all starts um, about four years ago. Um, Travis, uh, our, our producer, the guy behind the camera, he makes everything happen. Uh, he's a badass. He's been doing video production technically since he was like eight years old, <laughs> um, filming superhero movies with his brother in the backyard. I mean, uh, and so we lived together at the time here in Austin. I, I was living with him and his wife uh, at an apartment. He's doing a, a video gig, um, doing commercial work. And, you know, he's got all this equipment. Right. And he wants to do something on YouTube. He's like, Pruitt, I want to do a YouTube show. Uh, and he wanted to do one kind of in the vein of, um, oh, God, now I'm going blank. It's the the, it's the comedian Paul F. Tompkins uh, with they where they share a glass of scotch or whatever. And he's just doing interview style. I, I, I'm going yeah, blank yeah. anyway. 
but he wants to do something like that. He's like, so just think like, what could it be? We could do like toys, we could do whatever. Uh, we could just talk about nerdy shit, comic books. I don't know, but I just got, he, cause he just had this itch and he had time and he had the equipment. And it was probably not even a week later and I'm driving home and I'd been, it's just, it's just on the back burner percolating. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to head over to Jim's later that day. And the thing is about mine and Jim's uh, friendship is we've been playing so long that anything and everything, I'm just like, I'm just like, I go to Jim and I'm like, I don't understand this rule. And then he explained, he just, we talk it out and then I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And, and I, I just got off the phone with him and I'm like, I'm going to head over there as soon as I get off work. And, you know, I work in the medical field and I'm just driving along thinking like, man, Jim is just like a resource. He's like web, he's like web MD, web DM. Oh my God. And like, I almost had a wreck when the realization like flooded my brain and I drove straight home and I walk into the room and I'm like, Travis, and he's like, what? I'm like, web DM. And he's like, web DM. And I'm like, and I'm like me and Jim talking about D and D me asking him questions as the player. It's what we do anyway. He's answering them as the DM. And then his eyes just, <laughs> and it wasn't long after that, we had our Mulligan Christmas, which it's a, in our group of friends after the holidays are all done and you've done all the family bullshit. You just want to go have Christmas with the family you choose. That's what we do every year. It's called Mulligan Christmas. We have our, we get drunk and have a little white elephant thing. And we like me and me and Travis just corner gym. It's at their, it's at their house, him and Emma. And we're like, just flooding him and he's like whoa whoa i don't i don't know man i don't know and 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 so that's right after christmas new year's and then those first episodes came out in march so it was not even like we were filming like three weeks later it was like february i believe that we were we got together uh in our apartment turned the corner into a to a nerdy alcove i mean they're already the bookshelves and everything but it was just more of just like putting my and jim's mm -hmm. rpg books up and you know um <laughs> you watch those first few videos and it's like, especially when we go through the classes and we go through like four classes in like six minutes. Like, yeah. oh yeah, fighter, fighters are really cool. I like playing fighters. They hit stuff. Yeah, and barbarians, barbarians are cool. You know, I don't know. It's a, it's a far cry from what we've become now where our videos are like 30, 35 minutes Five long. minutes long, yeah. It was probably a natural evolution to get to longer videos because the conversation that you guys have is just kind of interesting. But uh, originally, were you planning on like short little videos or was it just kind of... Yep. No, we wanted bite size, like basically something you could watch while taking your Monday morning shit or, you, you know, or, you know, like, like that's what we wanted. Um, but it just, it, it was one of those things where we just started doing a little bit longer videos each time. And then where it really bloated was after we started our Patreon and we have our Patreon podcast. So me and Jim are getting together once a week and having like an hour and a half to two hour conversation about something. And you could tell like that next video shoot after we started doing that mm -hmm. we looked at each other like yeah you can tell we like talk a lot longer because <laughs> it's just like i forgot the first one we did it was like 45 minutes on whatever subject and travis was like jesus guys <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> and i Sorry. cut 15 minutes of it no it's good. yeah <laughs> yeah how much does uh travis end up cutting like what's are you guys you you need like a, a cutting room floor edition of of web dm i suppose it's usually at <laughs> yeah, the end yeah, of i mean yeah, I, I know that Travis does cut some stuff. Uh, he makes us look really good. He cuts out some of the ums and the ahs mm -hmm. and the and the and the the dead space. But he does because of the way Jim and I like 
do the show like it's not really scripted like right Jim has his points that he has we have a little talk about you know the points he wants to make so I basically kind of reverse engineer my questions to lead him to those points but it really is just ha inside all of that is just we're having a conversation and mm -hmm. that's what I think why people in really enjoy the show is because it's just a couple of nerds having a talk and it's not just someone reading a script at them like a talking head just reading at them um and so travis does try to leave a lot of the the realness in there but you know sometimes we get off on a point and it's like you know he'll be like yeah y'all have already made that point three times and so he'll cut the third or fourth right. time you know that kind of stuff um but i mean for the most part i would say you know five to ten percent of what we shoot on per show is maybe gets cut mm -hmm. um, not a lot how many no, times do you do those intros though? Like you, it looks like you do a few of those intros as you come into it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I usually do the intros after we shoot the show because that uh, way my mind is steeped in what we just shot. So therefore I feel better served setting up what we're about to see. Um, so I generally will have an idea, whether it's like a little turn of phrase or a pun that I want to like work in, but it's like, I want to make sure I get everything into it. Uh, and so there are times where like, my stupid tongue-tied mouth just can't get it right and you know you've seen you've seen those intros where trav leaves me just fucking up and i'm just like damn it and i'm slamming on the table and i <laughs> love that i absolutely love that uh but there are times i forgot which one it was uh, a couple of weeks ago where i just nailed the intro on the first time and i'm like do you even need me to do it again and he's like no and we just go on and he has complete faith in you know like everything got recorded properly we're good um and and so you know it just all depends but i would say average at eh, two to three tries and uh, and i usually get it right how long have you guys been friends i was just curious like because you guys have just great charisma you and jim obviously and i imagine travis is he knows how you guys operate which is how he's able to edit these and kind of keep you guys on track but like yeah uh well i mean i we went to high school together uh i was a senior when travis was a freshman and uh, I like we were in like I was the teacher's aide in the theater class that he was in. And that's kind of where we first got introduced. Uh, but we didn't really hang out until like right after I graduated is when I really started hanging out with the whole group uh, that included Jim and Travis and and everyone else. Uh, but so, you know, it, over 20 years, uh, yeah, we've been wow. friends, like actually hanging out friends and we've been playing pretty much that entire time travis was actually my first gm he played a van or ran a vampire of the dark ages game uh i was a malkavian i still remember uh i was a crazy ass malkavian and i got a little bit too into it and travis was like okay dude you just like, <laughs> like what i thought this was role playing you know, i'm sitting there drinking my red kool-aid with can't we have candles everywhere and i'm all <laughs> you know uh uh being a creepy vampire uh but yeah like not shortly thereafter i was in my first D, &D campaign that once that ended, Jim started up the next one. And then Jim's been my main DM since then, uh, for at least for D and D. And, you know, mm -hmm. we played other games along throughout the years, but we also worked at a movie theater together in Tyler for a while. And that's where my first D and D campaign started up in the office. I was the assistant manager. Uh, and we'd start up on set. We'd start the first last run of movies at 10, 10 30. And then everybody would close concession down. Mm -hmm. And then we'd pile into the office and play till six in the morning, at least. Wow. That's the way to do it, though. That's just really fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. When did oh, you take the jump into being a dungeon master? 
because you saying these stories you were playing a whole bunch and you know jim was always there being a a, a dm for you but yeah so i for for me being a dm it was a lot of failure over many many years (laughs) trying to do this idea that i wanted to do and it would last you know three to five adventures i'm sure you know exactly what i'm talking about it just something doesn't isn't clicking the players Mm -hmm. aren't into it or like you know the idea i had was different once i actually start playing it and i'm not into it and it just kind of fizzles um or it just never gets started okay we're going to do this and everybody makes characters and then scheduling conflicts over a couple weeks you know and so uh, it was years before um it's probably about uh it was it was i mean it was during right at the beginning of web dm i was i ran my spell jammer campaign mm-hmm. because i found those books and it really is like keep keep plugging at it people because eventually you're going to find that thing that really ropes you in. And that's what Spelljammer did for me. And I ran a almost over a year campaign. It was, I had a beginning, a middle and an end and everybody had a good time. It was the normal gaming group with Jim and Emma and our friend Audie um, and, and Jim's brother, Josh uh, plays on his uh, land between two rivers game. And, you know, we had, we had shenanigans in space and uh, you know, I wrote up a whole campaign Bible for it. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's what I'm running right now on Tuesday nights is in that same world. Just yeah. started about 70 years later. And, uh, and so it, 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 it has been freeing in that, you know, I finally figured out how, uh, how to DM the game from that, from that viewpoint, from that sci-fi kind of viewpoint. And now I feel pretty confident. I can probably run most things now. Um, it's just, uh, you know, building up that confidence uh, in yourself. Uh, so keep plugging away. You'll get there. So almost recommending like reading a bunch of different campaign settings or reading a bunch of, or just like novels in general. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I want to run a Buffy the vampire slayer game so bad because I, yeah, you just got to find that, that hook, I guess. <laughs> yep. F- find whatever niche that you really love being nestled in and just, just, just hunker down. And I mean, don't leave it, you know, uh, yeah. because I mean, I, I've, I was a huge Trekkie growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. Star Trek is my jam. Star Wars is fun. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But Star Trek, I mean, come on. That's my jam. Uh, and so, you know, it's... Uh, anyway, I could go on and on. But. So, so putting your conspiracy th- hat on, do you think we're going to see the Spelljammer campaign next year? Um, honestly, I can see them doing something that has Spelljammer in it. I would love to see, because uh, uh, you could definitely do like a, a expanded Planescape slash Spelljammer setting book that has mm-hmm. kind of both of them in it, because they're both kind of two sides of the same coin, a way to get to all the other parts of the cosmos by two very different routes. And so that's why I can kind of see like both being maybe wrapped up into it, but I I... In my heart of hearts, I feel that, yes, it, it will be because there are so many other sci-fi settings out there right now. And D&D just doesn't have one really yet. Even though they've had one for years just sitting on the shelf, all you got to do is is move the elf out of the way and bring it back down. And, uh, you know, uh, let's let's go into space. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I wouldn't have thought too much, but when we saw... Eberron come out on DMs Guild this year. We saw Ravnica, an actual printed, beautiful book campaign setting that I'm fascinated with ever since I started reading it and bringing in the Magic the Gathering. It really feels like they're going back to those campaign worlds and they're ready to start bringing them to us. Like it feels like we're almost done with the extra rules or 
the the Forgotten Realms has done pretty good and they've got these adventures, but they're ready to really just dive into that other stuff. Are we going to see Birthright? Are we going to see more Greyhawk? Are we going to see Dragonlance could come back at some point? There's a big resurgence of Dragonlance mm -hmm. uh, fandom out there or like we're saying, you know, um, Spelljammers or just any of those other games that I think they have access to. Because they did say they weren't going to let Perkins and all them build their own yet because that's what I was wondering. What would these guys have built if they had free reign They're, they've just re been redoing what's already existed or has mm -hmm. existed in a previous edition they haven't really got to design their own at this point this team this chris perkins uh mike Merles, uh and those guys so i'm hoping we see some of that but it's it's cool that i love uh your enthusiasm for Spelljammer, which is cool i know jordan is a huge fan of Spelljammer. he was thinking about bringing his players at his home game to the Spelljammer game too. So you guys are in good company right now. <laughs> well, I mean, all it takes is them uncovering a ship with a yeah. helm on it, right? That's the that's what I love about Spelljammers. It's it's just there, out just right outside the atmosphere, and it's always just there waiting. And so all it takes is finding that ship and be like, well, what's this? Oh mm. my, like, where where can we go now? And it's like, well, you can go anywhere you damn well please. That's what I love. <laughs> No, I was one of the um, people way back in the day, I think, uh, tweeting you and being like, publish your notes. Like, God damn it, Pruitt. I want your Spelljammer notes because it seems like you've made these like beautiful, like from my perspective, they're beautiful roll tables that I would just have to like roll seven dice and all of a sudden an adventure unfurls before me. Because no, the way no, you no. describe it was just like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Like he has these these tables and all this other stuff. I, and and I and I apologize for that uh, because they are not they are not beautiful and elegantly laid out. It is it is the it is the the insane ramblings of of a of a of a hopped up Star Trek fan just writing every bit of 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 piece of adventure. You know, oh, it's a it's a bad guy. Oh, it's a misguided whatever. Oh, it's a whatever poisoning a planet. Blah blah blah. And you just and yes, you do just roll on them, but there is no rhyme or reason to it. There's right. no like roll twice here and then whatever yeah. here. I was literally just like rolling on each one. And it was almost like story dice mm -hmm. where if the story made sense, I'm like, okay, we'll do that. And if it didn't, I just rolled again until I found something that did. Now I will say that I have been working on refining those into something of a bit more usable format. Uh, but uh, when that will come out, I, I have no idea. So I apologize for uh, for letting anyone down out there, uh, Jordan. No, uh, no. <laughs> but but I I can't I can't in good conscience release something <laughs> that would just make me look like a crazy like hermit, like <laughs> just sitting at my typewriter like Jack in the Shining. Like, yeah, no, completely understandable. It's just uh, I think you did a really good job. Uh, because it was watching your shows and you kind of hinting and talking about how excited you were a Spelljammer that started me down the rabbit hole of going to drive through RPG and buying all of these Spelljammer PDFs and then reading them. And you're like, Helms, and there's spells to like breathe in the space. And there's all this, like it's this whole universe, for lack of a better word. And and it's, you can go anywhere. And that was like the really cool thing. And you start finding, like I found a really great PDF where you can roll uh, like 4d6 and choose on these different paths to generate a sun, a world and a couple of moons. And it was mm -hmm. things like that, that I was just like, this is, this is really, I don't know, like, like you could just sit down and randomly roll, uh, an adventure. 
if you wanted to. And Spelljammer, I think, lends itself to that because it is like, well, you're just flying through space and you run into this. And I think yourself, you even said you were inspired by Faster Than Light FTL, the game, and, oh. and kind of utilizing some of those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was I was huge in FTL. I still am. I, it's like one of it's if I play a video game, it's probably that at my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, just the random the randomness of it finding you know one of my favorite adventures they ever they ever did was one that i rolled up randomly where they just found a comet and inside the comet was a was a escape pod and it turned out it was a great dwarven hero that they found and they they got to have a whole like end of new hope like ceremony where they get like medallions and (laughs) and they have a big party because they found this guy that's like everybody thought's been dead for like two centuries but that was the story I decided to create after rolling on a random table. Uh, I rolled Comet, I rolled uh, Escape Pod, and then I rolled uh, Ally, ally slash Hero. And and so then I was like, okay, so it was an ally and a slash hero inside of a pod inside the Comet. If it's been flying through space for a while, like Ripley, might have built up uh, the whole thing. And, you know, and so that's that was the adventure that they rolled in. So it took a while for them to, like, they were just wanted to, like, mine the Comet for some, some they found some minerals that mm-hmm. were, uh, that were uh, valuable and then all of a sudden they find something denser at the heart of it and break it up and they find this pod and you know that's that, hey ra- rolling up random adventures uh, you know it's no less viable than just coming up with something yourself I mean you get to still add all the meaning to it and the, the story behind that randomness uh, but it's a great idea generator so lots of improv in your game is kind of what I'm hearing. Like, uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, I do love improv. I mean, I was, I love theater, and I, it's the the performative aspect of of stream gaming is the thing that is really like keeping me in it. Like, I love, I love going nuts on screen. Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes literally with my Call of Cthulhu characters. <laughs> Don't try to read the Necronomicon too much uh, when you. Uh, it, it doesn't it's never good but it's a lot of fun to watch something like that <laughs> next time <laughs> right yeah <laughs> something <laughs> it's so i got to talk to you it was probably about almost a month maybe two months ago uh you were giving me some great insights because you were telling all about the starward bound campaign and things were happening you swore me to secrecy over dinner which was super awesome and i remember one of the questions i asked then and i'm wondering if maybe the answer is about the same yet or if you've gotten a little further now with having more shows do you feel like starward bound is going to be this two-year three-year four-year five-year campaign kind of game that you're going to be doing or do you feel like you're going to tell a story, you're going to get, a, like you said, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then you're going to say, okay, now I've done that, now let's look at some other types of stories I want to tell. Because like, what are some of the other stories that you maybe have rattling around in your brain that are trying to get some attention, just like this big Star Wars Bound story that you're telling? Well, I would say we're somewhere approaching the middle of Star Wars Bound, the, the, the main kind of plot that I have set up. Um, it... You know, um, to kind of to go back, like one of my favorite characters I've ever played was Cipher System, but we played it in um, we we were playing Tales from the Infinite Staircase. So a Monty Cook game played in a Monty Cook setting, and let me tell you, it worked perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the character I played in that was a strong-willed adept who uh, focuses mind over matter. And her name was TK-808, and she escaped from a lithid. She was a human weapon that was created by a lithids, 
because humans are their minds are malleable and you can do this kind of stuff and uh and so that was that was her backstory up to date to this last week's starward bound they found an npc that they help escape from a realignment center with the elithids named tk808 and so it has come full circle <laughs> and the main plot which is figuring out that these elithids have been secretly uh, experimenting on humans for what the party still doesn't know uh, but they've gone through a lot of a lot of threads to get to this point, and now they are enemy number one of the Elithids after wrecking their base and uh, and escaping with their lives. Uh, now they still have a, a quite a ways to go. Uh, so to to actually answer your question, I don't know how much longer it's going to go. Whether it'll be, I mean, we've been playing since March, so that's like nine months now. Now if it goes for another nine months, if it goes for six months, I don't know. I'm hey. This is all up to them how long they want to play this, but like kind of that main threat, they are about halfway to figuring out why and where and what. I mean, all the clues have been kind of laid out and they're, they're starting to pick up on them a little bit more. It's that, it's that great moment as a DM where like you've laid out all these clues and then like the players get to this point and they're like, all right, we're here, but you know, it's still a little fuzzy. And then you go, well, you found this here, which led to you to here. And then you remember this and this and this, and then you see their eyes go, oh my God. You know, like this has all been leading to this moment. And I'm like, yeah, it's all been leading to this moment. Uh, so I would say anywhere between six and eight months, probably, um, depending on how much they want to take side journeys and what, um, like I said, I had a little bit uh, in the beginning of the My Precious Campaign Syndrome I would say, and and definitely after packs, like I have loosened up quite a bit. There was a lot of shit that we just threw in in the last couple of adventures, and mm. it was a blast. We had so much fun, and I'm like sitting here writing new notes down from all the shit I'm making up on the fly, just because the, one of the players says, you know, breaks into an illithid cult and says, "I am the chosen one," and he makes a really good persuasion roll, and I'm like, the cultists go, "Oh my god, it is he who will open the eye," and it just made that up and had to write that down, you know. And then I decided, yeah, that's something that they tell all the cultists to look for the chosen one because they just want more humans to be part of this cult. And so they're if you're constantly looking for someone, you will constantly find humans that could fit that bill, which leads to a bigger and wider, uh, more expansive cult. So, you know, it's, it's fun things like that. Like never discard anything a player says, unless it's just completely disruptive and will completely <laughs> derail the campaign. If it's just something, it's like, well, I can work that in it in i mean it, it, that's how you engage your players right yeah for sure you were mentioning uh having um like you know x y and z leads to this and it's all been leading to this do you reverse engineer like do you start with like you know it'd be this really cool idea um they're all actually space hamsters and then do you go backwards from that to drop those little hints in or do you feel like those happen naturally um well i okay i don't uh I don't, I try not to write campaigns. I write, mm -hmm. I try to write, I have my bad guys and they have a motivation and they have a goal. And that goal is happening regardless. If the players stumble upon that, then they stumble upon it. They will hear about it. They do not have to go at it. And so I, I, that's the way I've been kind of playing it. Now I've had, I had multiple threads running, you know, the Elithids are doing this thing. Well, where are they getting the humans? Well, the Niyogi keep kidnapping humans. And that's the thing they 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 glommed onto immediately. Like first adventure, they they like went after the Niyogi who were raiding this village when they could have finished their race and done whatever. Um, 
but they chose to do that. So almost immediately, they grabbed onto one of the main plot threads that led back to the main plot itself. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is they've they've been barreling full full tilt boogie like right at the main plot almost from the beginning which i did not actually expect and i've had to kind of like tease that out a little bit and throw some roadblocks in their way to slow them down a bit because i'm like i don't want them to show up to the elithids at like fifth level and be like just get wrecked yeah you know like i i was expecting that like you know, second, third tier of play, right. like for them to get where they are. And, and they're now like ninth, 10th level. So I, I was able to kind of throw enough distraction, I will say, you know, like, oh, this planet over here is known for this. And they're all right, let's go check it out. You yeah. know, just to, just to kind of, I don't want to, I, I would not call it filler um, no, no, because no, no. I mean, it, it's still forwarding, uh, pushing forward the character development. Thus, then that's all I care about. Like I, the plot is there so to speak, to use that word. Um, I mean, because once they kind of grab onto the the, 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 the the story thread, they're now part of the plot. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, no, I don't really reverse engineer it. I just, I tr- I just prep, just try to prep really good bad guys uh, with motivations that, that make sense, at least to them. They don't have to make sense in the rest of the world because most of the time the bad guy, it doesn't make sense. You know, mm-hmm. you're Thanos, it's like, why do you want to kill half the world? You got all that power, just make the universe twice as big. You, don't have to be a dick, you know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, just prep prep good bad guys with real, real motivations. And then it's just about prepping encounters. If they mm-hmm. go here, they will have an encounter with this bad guy. And these are the possible outcomes based on that encounter. Oh, they stop them. Oh, they, they delay them, but don't stop them. Oh, they fail. Like what happens? Just kind of be cognizant of what would happen in each of those scenarios. But even that, you know, don't, it, nothing should be set in stone before the die is rolled because that's otherwise, what's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going through the motions uh, of playing a game as opposed to uh, playing a game. Yeah. Now, have we had any near TPKs or have you started thinking about what happens if a character on that show? um gets well, airlocked or something goes horribly wrong well you have real bad guys that can do real bad things when they catch these people yeah i don't know if you saw the art for the overseer from this last week's episode but he's a, an elithid who's a body modification specialist he's the one that's changing these humans so but at the end of each of his tentacles he has a beholder eye that so he has four beholder rays that he can use um and he and the thing is is elry's already killed this guy once he totally like caught me off guard you know i just had him in the corner monologuing watching his weapons in their first uh kind of real like you know uh, weapons simulation or uh, weapons test and elry went right at him and, and did a whole thing that was like yeah you killed him now there's other lithids and he alludes to that being the heralds of he who watches overall uh and he, and he alluded to like oh they'll just bring me back again you know, uh, so there is that that kind of like, you know, you got to have your Marvel villains where they even if you defeat them, they might be back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, in this last adventure, in the first couple of rounds where, you know, he hits his like his uh, his mind blast and like two people fail, like the cleric and and whoever fail. And then he hits off his first couple of like rays because I gave him legendary actions, but I gave him a finite amount of legendary actions because I didn't I didn't think he should be that tough yet. Uh, it's one of those things where I want the bad guys to get better also. So I gave I, I basically did it where he had 
six legendary actions to use, not like three around. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to, I threw everything I had at the party in the first two rounds. And in the first <laughs> two rounds, I thought it was totally going to be a TPK. There was only one player, one PC that was free. One of their badass NPCs, Cole, he was still fighting one of the, one of the telekinetic weapons, but Hilda was stunned and grappled by another telekinetic that had a white pupilless beholder eye in their forehead. This was something from my original campaign. I call them nulls. And they are literally have a 10 foot, or, or excuse me, a five foot anti-magic cone around them. So if they are engaged in melee with you, magic doesn't work. And so that's that's the thing. These bad guys have been watching these people fight for a while. And they know that like Hilda's going to be a badass and bust out spiritual guardians and spirit weapon and all this. So it just waits till she's stunned and then grapples her and opens its eye and just pulls her back and keeps her away and uses her as a shield. And so... You know, like I really did think that in those first two rounds, at the end of that, where only I think only Dakul, the monk, is able to act, and the barbarian is in, is is fighting a telekinetic weapon over here, and that's it. And everybody else is either stunned or paralyzed or whatever. I was like, oh shit, what have I done? Like, <laughs> but but then but right after that, rolls started going their way, and they got a couple of crits on the bad guy. They took out one of the weapons. Uh, Cole kept the other telekinetic weapon uh, engaged, and then they focused fire on the overseer. And I mean, it ended with Hilda blasting a hole through him with a guiding bolt, like critting on a guiding bolt and doing like sixty-five damage or some shit. I mean, it was it was nuts. Um, but then, of course, they had to escape the base before it transitioned back to the far realm. I was really hoping that they would they would uh, they would get sucked into the far realm uh, because uh, the way I do it, and uh, I don't mind letting this slip. Like, I, uh, I love the idea that, uh, and Jim talks about this a lot, that elithids are traveling the opposite direction in time, which is why their motivations seem very weird. And so when mm. they go to the far realm, the far realm is actually traveling the opposite direction in time. So if they would have gotten sucked in the far realm, we would have gotten something that Greg, uh, who, so his character Elry, wanted time travel so bad, and they would have actually gotten to go back in time. And when they got back out of the far realm, they would be back in their own time stream. Um, and so, uh, we would have had some fun with that, but luckily they got out like two rounds before the, the timer like clicked off and it pops and goes back. Uh, and, but the Don Rose, the ship is pretty, uh, pretty effed up and they're pretty much adrift in a dead part of space where there is no Phlogiston. Uh, it is called the dearth and it is a graveyard of ships that uh, go to seek fortune and nine times out of 10 don't return. Hmm. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens after the Christmas break because things aren't looking good for the crew of the Dawn Rose. Oh, it sounds epic. It's like, I don't know. It's just really, I love all the spell jammer stuff and uh, yeah, it's interesting how I'm always surprised that players can overcome so much like, cause in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to destroy them. Like, I can't do this. And then as they tackle that, I'm like, okay, well now I have to, you know, push that out of my mind and actually up the game a another level. And then they, they tackle that and then I'll up the game again. And I'm getting to this point where I'm like, what do I do? Do I just throw a CR 24 monster at him and see what happens? Like, I don't know. Yes. But, yeah. And watch him take it down. Yeah. yeah. Throw a couple of terrasses at him. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you do. It's awesome. Yeah. They find uh, the, they find the Godzilla planet. We have, uh, so we're streaming both on Twitch and YouTube. Um, awesome. And we've got a chat or a question for you on uh, YouTube here. And they say, what is your most, uh, what do you feel is the most important thing to remember when your D&D &D comes back together after a long hiatus? Have you ever had that happen? 
or you've got an upcoming break for your game coming up like oh oh yeah well um the, i would say the thing to remember most is uh to at least have a conversation with your players to either remind them of the the big clues if they were following kind of a mystery or, or trying to put a bunch of clues together like my players they they unlocked a shitload of of disparate clues and it kind of got we we actually got a, a little bit of like uh, option paralysis where they had so many options they didn't know where to go and so i had a session with them after a break and was like it was basically like a uh, let's let's sync our watches again you know and as and i basically laid out I, I had a google doc i made up and i laid out every single clue that they had to follow up on and was just like basically like what do you got what do you want to do where do you want to head because it can help the refocus like the direction at least out of the gate and then you can get just get a little momentum going again and try to do it pretty quick in that first session uh, whether it's even if it's just like um, you know a, a faux momentum a fomentum so to speak <laughs> if it's just a fight just something to get their blood up a little bit and just get them like excited again uh, I think that that can be a big that can be a big boost uh, coming off of a, a break because a lot of times you know you come off of a break and you have that conversation at the table, and then you're an hour hour and a half into your session and you haven't done anything and that can that can like kind of drain their their spirits a bit mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I, I know we've all been there we've all done that you know and you and you keep playing and that's fun but like if you want to just kind of like hit the ground running try to like have that talk whether it's on a messaging platform or if you just want to hop on a, a call like this or just a phone call just something to kind of recalibrate resync everybody's watches everybody get back on the same page going into it um and just make sure everybody they have the info that they need to to press forward right from the get-go yeah great advice thank you <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh running a game now so this is it's really a show also so there's almost like a, an additional aspect to what you're doing now with putting your games uh, um you know with starward bound and um the the river between two lands um yeah, land between two rivers same thing i, I do always get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> <Same> difference <laughs> how embarrassing um, Yes. Um, I mean, both rivers are normal. technically between two lands. There you go. <laughs> so it is right. Yeah. It's canon now. It's canon to everybody. Don't you? <laughs> I'm told, that's going to be my next campaign. It's the river between two lands. And uh, thank you. What What are the differences you're seeing now? Because you've ran games that are like you said, it's our friends, it's husbands and wives or significant others. It's brothers and friends from work or whatever. And then it's, uh, maybe we're putting some of those same people on a show, but now we're going to put it in front of an audience as something that should be, we think, entertaining. That's why we kind of do it. But we're also trying to have fun ourselves. And me and Jordan have kind of started doing, I've been doing a lot of, you know, some games that are, a lot of games that are streamed. Jordan has a lot of home games. He's been getting into some of the streaming stuff. What are the differences you're seeing from running your game at home and then putting it on the, the World Wide Web so that people can actually consume it like it's a show? Um, I mean, the, I would say the, one of the biggest things is the fact that you only have three hours, or generally. Generally, games run two to three hours. Now, at home, we our games generally ran like, we would we would plan on like four hours, but sometimes it'd get, we'd get up to six. Uh, the, the older we got, the less times we hit six, eight hours. You know, you just, you got, you got time and some, and, and then kids start popping up. Um, so, so trying to get everything in that time frame, 
Uh oh, it's the it's the cat show. It's the cat got show. Monk here. Yep. Yeah. Well, sorry guys, we're not talking about D and D anymore. It's just cats all time. It's all cats and snoot <laughs> booping. Cats. Boop. Um, but there's also that entertainment aspect to it. This should be entertaining. People need to want to watch this. So, one of the most important things is a session zero with your streaming cast. Like and. Like I did a, a little bit of a questionnaire. Like it was all like a five question questionnaire. I've seen some that are up to like 30, 50 questions. And to me that, I, di I didn't need that. I just, I wanted a few basic things. Um, I wanted to know like, what was their favorite RPG? Like video game, tabletop, otherwise does not matter. What's your favorite role-playing game? Because that would give me insight into, you know, action versus story versus exploration. Um, uh, I want another three favorite sci-fi movies because again, I want insight into what makes the players tick because you're, you're, you have to, as the DM engage those players. That is the onus is on you for that. You have to present at least something that is engaging. They have to also engage, you know, there, there needs to be some trust there at the beginning that they're going to, they're going to engage with what you present them to a, to an extent, but you need to present them something that is engaging. And so when I got my my uh, my little questionnaire back, I mean, I have in the front of my little my current campaign Bible. Uh, I mean, I have each player and their answers and my thoughts on that, and it's it's kind of um, it's kind of weird, honestly, like how close to right I was about most of the players based off of their answers. Um, but, you know, it, getting that insight up front, whether it's just a session zero or you come up with a questionnaire that is that is close to what you're needing for whatever setting you're doing. Um, these are all ways that you can at least get to know your players before you start playing, assuming that we're talking about streaming, where at least some of them are going to be people you've never played with. Yeah. And so it, it, it's OK to to get to know them a bit and and because you need to foster tr that trust between them that you know you can go to certain places. And, and that's obviously where you're going to want to know, uh, you know, we, we need to set some, some, some rules up, like uh, whether I know like, like X cards, lines and veils, a lot of people use those now. Some people decry them. I'm sorry, but I think they're a good tool because you never know what happened in someone's past that is going to trigger them because it could be something seemingly innocuous, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I tend to think that I have no real borders or boundaries, but there have been some times in playing like Call of Cthulhu that I got very close to, to messaging Will and be like, hey man, can we just kind of, can we just draw a curtain on this scene, please? Because like, I felt like I was starting to go to a place where like, I wasn't comfortable and I didn't ever, I never thought that that would happen to me, ever. Yeah. Right, because I'm like, this is a game. We're not. None of this is real. But it doesn't matter. You're when you're engaging, uh, especially online, where you're where you're really trying to present uh, an entertaining, um, a real character that has that has thoughts, feelings of their own. You can you can you can start to go to a place that is uncomfortable for you as the player, not the character. Now I have gotten to where now I can kind of use that. Um, and 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 turn it around and and just use that fear, but but still, I think you need a, to leave a, a an out for your players in case you start to push some into some territory that they'd rather not be. And so, you know, so developing that trust is a very important part. And both like questionnaires, like I said, and and session zeros can can go a long way to at least 
getting a firm uh, uh, starting point under your feet to then shove off on your adventure. There you go. Awesome. That's great. Um, we're coming up towards the end of our show. Uh, I, I want to say everybody probably knows who you are and all this other stuff, but like, uh, you run WebDM. You've got a whole bunch of shows on Twitch. Uh, do you want to plug anything particular? Well, I will say this. Uh, we are going to have to do a lot of fun hammering out of a script tonight and slash tomorrow, but uh, RPGN is going to be back yes. uh, tomorrow uh, on the WebDM Twitch channel. I believe it's... Two, two Eastern or two Central. I'm, I, I hate myself right now because I we kind of switched the time recently from what it normally is. But check WebDM's Twitch, uh, Facebook, or whatever, um, and you'll see tweets about it. Uh, so, uh, so there's that. But also uh, tonight on the WebDM Twitch, come on over 9 p.m. Eastern uh, for some Cipher System One Punch Man. It's a one shot. It's One Punch Man, and I already know a couple of the characters are are just fucking ridiculous and uh and it's they're exactly what they need to be uh and so that should be a, a raucous good time and you know if you got if you got a little extra uh, scratch in the pocket send us a donation uh it's a couple of great charities uh you know we're there's uh, to me there's no way we're not going to hit that 1500 dollars goal we're only like 70 bucks away uh so uh come on out tonight and then and then tomorrow for rpgn yeah man 2, 2 p.m central is what it says on the twitter there i looked it up for you rock and roll that's, I got to say, when when you came out with RPGN, uh, I watched the first episode and I'm like, that magnificent bastard. Like, what a clever idea. And I was really upset that I did not have it first. So uh, good job. <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't believe that it didn't already exist. Now, there is a Twitter that's kind of that. It, but uh, it, but to do the actual like the in-between bits with the clips and everything we're still yeah. we're still working on the the we're still refining the format uh exactly how much how, how long of clips we want to have and and talking about it and setting it up because you know we want to make sure that the that the true heart of what rpgn is coming across <laughs> but let me tell you those writing sessions are some of the most fun i have ever had <laughs> nice uh, uh with me and lindy and travis yeah. and brandon our producer uh oh my god we get some beer and uh, it it gets it gets raucous to say the least. And people email you the clips, correct? Uh, so it's not a lot of hunting and searching for yourself. Uh, well, I mean, there is some. There was a lot more hunting and searching in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, you know, finding channels, finding clips, sending them over. Uh, uh, Sean over at PowerScore RPG, he's the guy that basically is our clip wrangler, and he's got a couple people that help him kind of just bring in clips but if you have anything that you see out there that you love and you want on the show please either shoot and mention to at least mention it if you don't have a clip from the show or just send that info over to uh power score rpg i believe it's power score rpg at, e at gmail.com or just hit him up on twitter uh in the dms there power score rpg and you know we'll we'll try to get it on the show that's great. Well, awesome. thank you again so much for coming on to our humble little Saturday morning D&D show. Uh, this was a great discussion and I had a lot of fun. So thank you. Well, thank you yes, for having me. You. This was a, this was a blast. Um, as always, guys, you can catch us on YouTube, uh, Twitch right here, uh, Saturday mornings um, as we have a podcast as well, where if you want to catch up on uh, audio only format, you can do that. So be sure to check us all out and we will see you next Saturday with another episode of the Saturday morning D and D show. Goodbye everybody. Bye. 
Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.